You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Vince. Hello, everybody, and welcome to issue 248 of the Comic Book Informer Podcast coming to you on January 26th. Raj, do you hate me this week? You really want me to like Transformers, don't you? None. Listen, I'm just presenting a comic. I told you several weeks ago we were going to be reading it at some point. A gap opened up in the schedule and, you know, here we are. Okay. So. (laughs) I didn't read it. Are you serious? I tried to read it. I will share my opinions once you start talking about it, but I tried and I couldn't finish the first issue. See, here's the thing that's important. And this is like, it's, it's not that I'm being negative towards say transformers per se. I mean, I I even enjoyed the move, the first movie, the other ones, whatever. But the thing that you have to keep in mind with that is that, when they first came out, I was already a teenager. Mm-hmm. So, and they came out as toys first. So for me, they were like that fun, cool little thing that, you know, my nephews played with or, or kids played with. Certainly not anything that had much of an impact on me at all. And then like, if you compare that, say to, to the turtles, which came out just like a year later, it was right around the same time, but it wasn't a toy. It was a hard edged comic that for myself reading comics at the time was like, this is freaking awesome. This is cool because it didn't have, it wasn't like the toys for Transformers. They were very, very different things. And I think that's why I can read and enjoy Turtles a lot more right now. Despite the fact that it's a freaking silly, they're turtles for Christ's sakes. Whereas Transformers don't have the same appeal to me as the reverence that you and Joe assigned to them because of that memory from when you were younger. I don't know if that makes sense to you or not. It makes sense, but I don't really feel that I assign any reverence oh, to it. Oh, you do. Oh, you guys do. It, it's something I enjoyed <laughs> in my childhood, I will admit. And for that reason, I'm willing to give more future attempts at it a chance. I mean, there have been many, you know, both TV series, movies, comic series that, yes, I'll check it out because... I enjoy the IP, but it has to live or die on its own merits. See, the other thing, too, is because of that, because you are far more, we can even say you're more interested in it than I am. Mm -hmm. Uh, What winds up happening is that you have. I'll, I'll grant that. Yes. You have a lot more knowledge of the franchise than I do. My knowledge of the franchise is limited to quite seriously what's been in the new movies which Mm -hmm. is quite obviously not entirely accurate. But, I mean, that's it because I didn't read any of the comics. I didn't play with the toys. I know what they are, of course, but it's not something that I know. I know Bumblebee because of the movie, and I know it's okay. It's the yellow car. And I know Optimus Prime, obviously, because everybody does and things like that. But when I'm reading this, and this was one of the big hurdles that I had reading this, is that... (laughs) I'm like a, a racist as it comes to Transformers. They all look alike. Okay. 
<laughs> which is horrible to say, but it's freaking car. So I, I feel safe saying this. They all look alike. So when you're reading the comic book, I know there's supposed to be very subtle differences between them so that you can differentiate between who's this character and who's this one kind of thing. But as someone like me, who has no history with the franchise is looking at this, the art is, and I don't want to insult the, the art because people who like the franchise may have thought the art was great, but I'm looking at it and it just is this blend of mechanical parts all together. Uh, and even worse when you're seeing them fighting and it's just this, I'll bleep it cluster of metal and car parts strewn about and you, it's really hard to make sense of what is going on and not during just during fight scenes, but also just when they're talking and then all of these characters that they're talking about, a, I didn't know any of them. And so when there's like obvious history that they're referring to some of them, I I got nothing here. I don't know who these people are. And then at least in so much as what I was reading too, there's their characters, the caricatures of characters. They're, they're like these bombastic stereotypes where you're like, eh, whatever. And so I couldn't get behind the characters. I couldn't differentiate the characters. I couldn't recognize the characters. And I thought the story was lame to begin with. So I tried, but by the time I got to pass the halfway mark and I still had no clue what was going on at all, I figured better for me just to listen as you talk about this series, what you liked and didn't like about it, and not just me slamming it because it made no sense to me. Okay, I'm going to try to give you a rebuttal to as many of those points as possible. So first of all, what the hell are we talking about? We're talking about the IDW miniseries that came out in 2010, Transformers Last Stand of the Wreckers, written by Nick Roche and James Roberts, with art by Nick Roche and Josh Burcham. All right, I'm going to try and break a lot of this down. Personally, I did enjoy a lot of the artwork. And yes, some of the characters do look very similar, and that's by design. There's very few characters that actually do stand out on the page because... Those are really the only characters that are actually important to the story. The vast majority of the cast, they're disposable. This is a dirty dozen suicide style story. There's, I want to say, 10 of the wreckers going in. Three of them make it out of the story. It's a, I want to call it a bloodbath, but that would be inaccurate. But you know what I mean. <laughs> it's an oil bath. Mm-hmm. As for these characters being recognizable and needing to know who they are to enjoy the story, I don't feel that's true. I think really all you need to know to enjoy the story, or at least to get into it, is that there's Autobots and there's Decepticons. One are the good guys, the other are the bad guys. Because half the characters in this miniseries were created specifically for this miniseries. And even me, as the huge Transformers fan, aside from a couple of the cameo characters that show up in, like, flashbacks, I recognized two of these people coming into this comic. A lot of the Wreckers characters, as I later learned, only existed as part of the UK line of Transformers comics. They were basically like fill-in issues of, okay, we don't have any stuff from from Marvel uh, US to publish this week, so let's invent, you know, the Wreckers and do like side stories with them. So 
even myself coming into the story, I had very little knowledge of who the hell these guys were. You said you had more points. I'm trying to get there. I, I, you, I gave you, you all the time. There was a big pause it, it, there. It hurt me personally, and I need to kind of come to grips with things. Big baby. Plus, I needed to drink water. Sorry. <laughs> So, I mean, going into it, I had no preconceptions of, again, who any of these characters were, what the story meant. I just heard, hey, this is a cool Transformers comic. You might want to check it out. Because, I, again, I I have a hard time seeing it from your point of view of it was hard to get into and it didn't make sense. But I we're just coming at it from two such vastly different places that... I think either one of us is going to have a little trouble seeing it from the other's perspective. But the main point of the comic is there is a prison who has been taken over by Overlord, badass Decepticon. And the Wreckers, who are basically the Autobot special forces, are being sent in to free prisoners and get sensitive data that's also stored there. They don't even know that Overlord is there when they're given the mission. They just know this is their job. They're going to do it. They've recently been... uh, God, what's the completely blanking on a basic term? Wow. Yeah. Reinforced. They've recently been reinforced <laughs> with some new troops who, like I said, they were created specifically for this miniseries. Like they've never been seen before. And yes, some of them, like I said, do have very similar designs. But again, I, I see that as kind of on purpose because they're essentially cannon fodder. Because this, and this is where I say I really liked the artwork, this comic is freaking brutal. Like, since they're robots, you can get away with a lot more than you can in another comic. Like, the prison planet turns into, you know, Decepticon Lord of the Flies, if you will, with pit fights and hunts. And it's just the worst of the worst as being displayed there robots get their eyeballs ripped out their heads ripped off dissected while they're still quotes alive like it is brutal but it it makes it as a different comic it feels like you know those old ninja turtles comics of this is not a comic for kids even though it's based on you know something that ninja turtles would become for kids transformers is something that started for kids but it's 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 a similar feeling that i got from this Amidst all this, you have the storyline that, again, most of the characters don't matter. The only ones that really matter are Impactor, a former Wrecker who was imprisoned on the planet and was freed, and Iron Fist, who is one of the new guys, and he's basically a fan fiction writer for the Wreckers. (laughs) He's a super fan, and that's why he was actually put on this mission. Uh, He was hand-selected by the Wreckers' superior to come on here. Basically, knowing it was a suicide mission, he picked a guy that was, for lack of a better term, again, because we're talking about robots, terminally ill, because they knew someone was going to die, so it might as well have been him. But what the story becomes is this study of, you know, wartime atrocities. You know, the Wreckers are bad people, even though they're the, quote, good guys. They are bad people. There's a reason they're, you know, again, the Dirty Dozen type. They they're expendable and Autobot Command doesn't care if they come back from the missions. All they care is if the mission is completed or not to the point where the reason Impactor was imprisoned. And it's cool because you see the story from two different points of view. First of all, you get Iron Fist's version of the tale of this incredible 
war victory uh, to the point where uh, he was there with Springer, who is the current leader of the Wreckers. And Springer, they're, they're pinned down, can't get, uh, can't bring their guns to bear. Springer decides to nobly sacrifice himself and tells uh, Impactor to fire through his chest because the the Decepticons wouldn't see it coming. I mean, he, sur- he survives, but it was a grievous wound. He, you know, he knew it wouldn't be fatal. Later come to find out, no, that's not what actually happened. <laughs> he just used him for cover and blew through his chest without, you know, wanting, really caring what happened. And then the Decepticons that they were there to capture, you know, basically they were the Decepticon version of the Wreckers. Uh, in the, you know, the public version of the story, they escaped capture and were killed during the ensuing battle. And the actual version of it, there's... Uh, a diplomatic situation on the planet and they actually couldn't legally arrest them. So impactor just locks himself in the prison room with them and murders them all. And that's why he was sent to prison. So again, this is not a good group of people. And when, when this coming around is, you know, finding out that the whole reason they're sent to this planet, the Autobots don't give a crap about the planet. They don't give a crap about the prison. They don't give a crap about the prisoners, but the sensitive data there is basically the records of all the trials of all the wartime atrocities that the Autobots had committed. Again, these are, quote, the good guys. And this is a prison for Autobots. It's a prison for people who have gone too far, and they don't want this data to fall into the hands of their enemies to be used as propaganda. So, again, for me looking at it, it's a deep, rich story that touches on some pretty mature themes that happens to be starring transforming robots. And that's... Didn't you drink? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and like I said, I, I, I also really want to talk about this because we have the, the Sins of the Wreckers miniseries that has popped up. And <laughs> that has uh, been following that sensitive data is actually in the hands of a human on Earth. And so it's the wreckers are basically sent in to retrieve this at all costs. And again, it's tying into what are they willing to do? You know, who's the good guys really? What's the right thing to do in this situation? And just, I really appreciate that a comic is exploring themes like this in a setting like this. It's kind of what we talked about. Um, and we did our wrap up issue. You know, you can use licensed properties and still tell unique stories uh, like i was talking about uh with that more than meets the eye comic a few weeks back how it explored you know homosexual relationships and betrayal and a number of mature themes that you wouldn't really relate with transformers per se so as someone who was a fan of the franchise i gave it a shot but i i want to think that it, it would stand up on its own merits to someone who doesn't have that coming in and it might for some but yes. it didn't for me. And I, I don't want enough. you thinking that, you know, I gave up early or, or I mean, you can think whatever the hell you want, but or that I gave up earlier. I didn't I, even I, give it I, a I shot. I think, you know, the, the torment levels were calling. You know what? It's not even that. No, it's, it's, I was ready to sit down and, and read it. And I, again, mm-hmm. it's not that I went in not interested either. And so I, it, I went in and was like, okay, let's do it. And it just, I could not, and I tried a couple of times, could not slog through it. I just could not. It just was not happening. So, again, it's not that I didn't want to or that I just thought, ah, screw it. I didn't want to 
read any comics. No, I just like, I mean, I'm looking at it again now and it's like, it just, it's just a jumbled mess on the page for me personally. Mm -hmm. And none of the characters really are any that stand out or anything. And the other thing too, that I, and I've noticed this with other, um, other Transformers images that I see or whatever kind of thing. Oftentimes in the comics, it seems like because they're big, massive Transformers kind of thing, all you see, and, and and especially when you have several in the panel together, it's not like when you have several people in a panel together where there's space between them kind of thing. Here it's just this jumbled mess of mechanical parts that blend in with the background that is often metal walls or metal doors or things like that as well. So in terms of a, an aesthetically pleasing, easy on the eye art style, it's just, again, for me, it, it's very busy. I will it's a jumbled that. mess. And so when you're trying to read that, it's it's an assault on the eyes and your brain trying to make sense of everything that's going on. And again, it's it felt like forcing myself to slog through it. Mm-hmm. And I made it about three quarters of the way through and it was like, I can't. I just cannot get through this. It, it's one of those things where I'm going to have to take your word for it because I get personally, yes, I agree. There's a lot going on in pretty much every panel, but I didn't have an issue kind of differentiating things. Yep. But I, I I was hoping this would work because I know for a fact this exact miniseries has been the jumping on point for a lot of people I know into the modern Transformers comics. This is the one they picked up and went, okay, now I'm reading Transformers stuff. But I tried. Definitely not for me. Fair Which enough. isn't to say that it's it's bad, obviously. It's one person's opinion, but I really... And it could be an age thing. And it could also be that I don't have the affinity for it that you have. I mean, Joe's been trying to get me to read different Transformers stuff lately too. And it's like, eh, um, maybe I'll try to get to it. But again, after reading this, I'm more inclined to say, no, I fairly certain I probably won't like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a lot of the other stuff, like I know Joe was very recently reading all hail Megatron, which again, awesome series, but that one definitely requires a knowledge of who these characters are and, and you know, what they represent or a lot of the modern not modern. I mean, this was five and a half years ago, but a lot of the more recent Transformers comics, like specifically the more than meets the eye, the one I was talking about previously, a lot of the story points in that spin out of stuff that happened in Last Stand of the Wreckers, like small plot points in this miniseries. Uh, it's the same writer. Uh, he was able to expand on a lot of that in the ongoing that he's writing. So if there's a good jumping on point for anybody, this is pretty much as easy of entry as you're getting because like i said the characters are pretty much specifically for this miniseries i i I said in my eyes really the only thing you need to go going in is that the autobots are the good guys and the decepticons are the bad guys so i i would encourage someone who if they're interested check it out if you're not interested like roger it's probably not gonna help (laughs) all right then well for what else we've been reading this week uh, first, I want to talk about the new Captain Marvel comic that came out. Did you check it out? I started it. I just I didn't finish it. It was I started it late last night and I conked out after a while. But I, I wonder if you're in the same position I was starting this comic because first of all, it's the entire point is Carol's leaving Earth to go do stuff in space, which 
is the yeah. exact same thing as the second volume of Kelly Sue's run of Captain Marvel was leaving Earth to go do stuff in space. So I was like, they're kind of retreading here. And not only that, but she's teaming up with Alpha Flight. That was kind of weird. So I, I was like, okay. What is Puck you, doing in space? Let's be you honest. You guys have a big hill to climb to get me to like this comic right now. <laughs> and that has nothing to do with Carol, nothing to do with the writers, but... I think longtime listeners know where both of us stand with Alpha Flight. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, again, it's, they've tried to bring Puck back a few times. Mm -hmm. And I think that someone at Marvel, you know, thinks that it's cool to bring him back. Let's, because he's this, like, you know, underground. Well, especially now with Wolverine gone, there's a little more room for him. Well, uh, I, I think even while Wolverine was yeah. alive, it was one of those idea like he's people really like him and they like when we bring him back. And every time they do, I and I'm Canadian, I just groan and go, oh, come on, seriously. And I just he's uh, I don't have any use for the character. I don't have any use for any of Alpha Flight. <laughs> but I mean, Puck in space. Really? Come on. <laughs> like I it was kind of ridiculous. So that's. At that point, when the, again, I conked out pretty early. And, and I'm looking and it's like Alpha Flight and Flip Flip. And I'm going, I'm going to bed. <laughs> I'll finish this later. All that said, by the end of this first issue, I really liked it. Okay. Because, yes, you have Carol and Alpha Flight, but Abigail Brand showed up. Right. Who we remember as, you know, Beast's girlfriend from the various X-Men comics. No, we remember her as Abigail. Abigail. Oh, th this and is we true. Loved yes. her as her, as, not as because her she was own his... character. Yes, yes. But she was introduced to us as you know in relation with Beast. No, she was introduced as herself. Yes, they as, only as, started dating listen, later on. You know what I'm trying to say. Yes, right, but Roger? you're saying it wrong. <laughs> I I acknowledge that I'm saying it wrong. Yes, Abigail Brand is freaking awesome. Yes, she is. She is a badass character, and. Her playing off Carol is very entertaining because we know she's not a people person. <laughs> Which is why I and like she her. And she is under Carol's command in this comic. So there's a lot of tension there and a lot of really interesting stuff. And Alpha Flights are calling them supporting characters might be giving them a little too much credit. At least through this first issue, they're just kind of there. They need someone to pilot the spacecraft when they're out fighting. So they chose Alpha Flight. Okay. But... I, I I enjoyed this first issue. Despite everything it had going against it over the first couple pages, I ended up really liking it. Okay. I will finish reading it, obviously. It's just I, I couldn't muscle through. Mm-hmm. And then I also read the first issue of the new Poison Ivy miniseries from DC. Right. And again, first handful of pages, they were retreading a lot of ground we've been over before. Of, you know, especially once Harley comes in because Harley and Poison Ivy, it's a known team up and there have been some cool stories with the two of them. But that's not what I was expecting this particular comic to be. But it was basically Harley coming in and being Harley and Poison Ivy going, OK, I don't want to do that right now. I want to go do this other thing and diving into, you know, her and what she wants to accomplish. And again, really trying to make a change in her life because we've seen her through, uh, was it the birds of prey and, and trying not to be a super villainous, at least not today. <laughs> so they're, they're set. They, this first issue was basically a lot of setting her up of, okay, this isn't the poison Ivy. A lot of readers would know from previous stuff. And like I said, they very specifically went far enough to 
have her flat out say that she's putting all that aside and driving through with her own story of what's going on here. So I, um, it wasn't like super like, oh, my God, this is amazing. But I liked it. The artwork was pretty cool. And uh, I'm going to check out the second issue. Cool. And what did you have for us this week? Well, you mentioned Harley. Can we at least acknowledge how horrible that new trailer for Suicide Squad no. was? No, I'm not going to acknowledge it. Horrible. If you acknowledge it, you give it power. Horrible. God, that movie looks awful. Did you <laughs> hear from anybody who actually liked it? Did you read anybody who said, wow, that was great? I know a lot of people exist who said that. Wow. Nobody I personally know, yeah. thankfully. I, I was talking to my daughter, my eldest daughter, who happened to see it as well. And I said, wasn't that horrible? And she said, oh, thank God. I thought it was just me. That was <laughs> terrible. <laughs> and I went, yes, yes, it was. <laughs> I was talking to Joe about it too, actually. He told me some things that he, because I haven't really looked into what the whole, all the, what they're doing with it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And he was telling me some of the stuff that they're doing with Harley. And it was like, are you kidding me? He said, yeah, that's what I've read. I went, crap. Okay. It, it just furthers my I, opinion that, Absolutely nobody knows why Harley was a cool character to begin with because she hasn't been that character in 15 years. She's been she's been a character of that character yeah. or a single aspect of that character cranked up to 11. And it it for me, it's never worked. And I I have a hard time seeing the appeal she has to people these days because, it, yes, the original version of Harley, I can see why people would have liked that. But modern day Harley you know, Arkham Knight Harley. <laughs> no. Anyways, did you read uh, Star Wars 15? I love these Obi-Wan issues. I Obi-Wan is my favorite character. <laughs> I just love that character so much. And a large part of that, again, is because of the Clone Wars. And so every time I'm reading one of these, the inner monologue, dude, that's, that's what's his name? James Arnold Taylor. <laughs> from Clone Wars, <laughs> that's the voice I'm hearing. It's the same as, you know, Kevin Conroy in Batman. That's the mm-hmm. voice you hear when you are reading a Batman. Well, that's what I hear here. And um, and so I just love this. It's just, again, he's when he's properly written, he's such an interesting character. Because like you said too, like he's he's not Yoda. He doesn't have 800 years to wait around and make sure everything's going to be all right. So while he's not as reckless as Anakin was and is, he still still kind of does bend the rules. He still does kind of work behind the scenes to get things done. And it, this was a great issue, like not as phenomenal as what the best was in Vader Down. It still was really quite good. I enjoyed it a lot. And I, I like that they're using us as like their fill in, like it, instead of just doing a story we don't care about, like uh, one issue every five or six months of this backstory. I'm, I, I think it's a pretty smart move Yeah, because they, they're, they're even tying it in with what's going on with Luke. Yeah. Yeah. Holy buck teeth on that kid in that one shot. <laughs> that was more than just a little kind of distracting. What the hell happened there? Artist. Did you read the latest Batman? Yeah. Okay, now, okay, we our opinions may differ because I enjoyed a lot more of this than I did the rest of this story arc. This was maybe my least favorite. Oh, yeah? <laughs> I I did not enjoy all of the stuff with Bloom, of course. I, I'm sick of that villain. He's doing absolutely nothing for me. It just, it 
it makes no sense. It's just this ridiculous character. And I know that this is a, you know, Gotham has their own ridiculous villains. I mean, whether mm-hmm. we're talking about Clayface or, you know, Croc or whatever, there's there's a lot of really out there. But this just takes that to, like, the nth degree, and it's too far as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Now, think of it this way. Think of everything that's going on in this series, but replace the villain with a down-to-earth type villain mm-hmm. that just has, whether it be a like, lot of power. He doesn't power, need to be, like, a normal guy. He can have powers. To a certain degree, yeah, but much more grounded in yeah. reality. And imagine that for this story arc. And the because story I think that would really work. That would have been spectacular. Yeah, it would have been spectacular. But with this stupid bloom crap going on, it's just like, ugh. But freaking moments between Joker and Bruce by the water were spectacularly well written. When you are at the bottom of the page and you're not sure if it's a gag or not, if it's Joker or not, Mm-hmm. that's, it's making you turn that page. I mean, everything from from when he's not actually saying his name and it's just, shh, watch, watch. And, but it's not done in such a way that he's, it's a, it's a Joker thing where it's like, oh, I see what you're doing there. You, you don't want to see what your real name. No, it's just, it fits in with what's going on on the screen or on the page. And then when you're seeing the gun, and what it represents and how he's trying to explain it. And then the the when he when he's telling him, don't become who you were before. It, it literally there was like a little bit of crawling on my skin. There there point. was a lot of really well done double meanings. Exactly. In that and you don't get to see it until a couple of pages later, what mm. is being what is actually being said. And for me, that's kind of cool when you can have it's it's kind of again cliche. We see this kind of thing often, where you know it's just a, a a a play on words, sure. But when it's done well enough that you get that little creep across your skin, and you're like, "Ooh, that was I like that. That was that was well done." There are things that I would have liked to have seen done better, certainly. But you have to admit the payoff at the end was worth it. So Alfred and those last couple pages, yeah. That was great. Yeah. Like that again, the, the, the entire, not just him, but I would say go so far as to say Bruce too in that one panel. So as a resolution, a lot of that is credit to Greg Capullo, who is amazing in this issue. Every issue, but yes, but but this issue where like the bloom stuff, you know, it is what it is. And we've seen him do big action before, but like the facial expressions and the emotion that he's conveying in this, this issue specifically is worthy of praise. The, the thing is, is that uh, I, I know I especially really didn't like this idea of him losing his memory, especially when they make it seem so much like there's Mm -hmm. no way around this. He's never going to have those memories back. He'd have to start from scratch kind of thing. All right, whatever. If that's what you're going to try to do, fine. The, the, how it's being played and and resolved, I'm enjoying. It just is too bad that it's at the hands of this ridiculous criminal that every time appears on uh, on the screen, I'm like, ah, for crying out loud. Like, this is stupid. So I, I enjoyed this more, actually, than the prior issues because of 
the character interactions, whether it was Bruce and, and, and the Joker or Bruce and, and Alfred towards the end kind of thing, and even Bruce and, and the kids where he volunteers kind of thing. So there, there were certainly a lot of moments that I, I enjoyed a lot more. Yeah, like the high points were definitely great, but it's just overall I'm really starting to lose steam with what's happening here. Yeah. Oh, now, I, now maybe for you that you'd already <laughs> kind of stopped caring. So this was – hey, this was something new. This was something to kind of jolt you up a bit. It, 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 ex- it was exactly that. It, it's to the point where now I'm like I've kind of accepted that I don't care who the villain is. So whenever that's, I'm just kind of, I read it through, but it's kind of like, okay, whatever. I'm not invested. I don't care. It's the rest of it. So I'm invested in what's going to happen now. How is he going to proceed with this? Having no memory of any of this, what's going to happen? So I want to know more. And I've resigned myself just not to giving a rat's ass about the the villain. Mm -hmm. That's a huge failing, but (laughs) at least I'm enjoying this 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 story arc a little bit more. Okay. And that's it for me. All right, then. So this week's selected new releases from Marvel. We have all new, all different Avengers. Number four, all new Inhumans. Number three, amazing Spider-Man. Number six, Angela, queen of hell. Number four, extraordinary X-Men. Number six, Kanan. Number 10, old man, Logan. Number one, and Venom space Knight Number three. Originally, I didn't have Venom on the list because I haven't been reading the comic. I don't know if it's any good or not, but thanks to you being a couple minutes late. I read an article that just came out that this issue is starting off a new storyline where uh, Flash gives up the symbiote and basically has to come to grips with not having his legs and gets prosthetics and has to work through rehab and all that. And Marvel actually is partnering with the Wounded Warrior Project with this issue to make, you know, to give it the authenticity the, the, the authenticity and the seriousness that it deserves and also to bring light to situations like this so i think that's really cool i'm definitely going to be reading it that's awesome that's awesome yeah uh dc we have batman and robin eternal number 17 justice league of america number seven and superman number 48 huge week from image black magic number four chew number 54 cry havoc number one a cool new series from cy spurrier looks really interesting deadly class number 18 east of west number 24 monstrous number three saga number 33 and southern bastards number 13 from Boom Studios, we have The Spire, number six. From IDW, Ghostbusters International, number one, spinning that off into a new title. Gem and the Holograms, number 11. Teenage Mutant Ninja Stop. Turtles, number 54. And Transformers, Sins of the Wreckers, number three. I heard that laugh. <laughs> and finally, from Valiant, we have Bloodshot Reborn, number 10. And Faith, number one, the Harbinger character getting her own spinoff series. Great character. I love her. I really want to see her in a solo book. And that's going to wrap us up here at Comic Book Informer. As always, you can find us online at comicbookinformer.com or on Twitter at CBinformer. And until next week, thanks for listening. Make sure to stop by comicbookinformer.com and let the guys know what you think in the comments. If you'd like to hear more from Roger and Vince, check out Popcorn Ronin, a bi-weekly movie, TV, and anime podcast, as well as For the Lore, a weekly gaming podcast. <laughs>